Welcome to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. On this show, the team of experts from Bright Horizons College Coach aim to demystify college admissions and finance. From choosing the right college, developing a payment strategy, creating a high school plan, and more. Each episode will help guide your family through the various steps of the process. Now, here is your host. Welcome everyone to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. I'm so excited to be back again. As I said, you'll have me with you for basically the rest of this month of October, um, which I find exciting. Hopefully you do as well. Uh, I'm going to put out my weekly plea to review us on Apple Podcasts. If you go in, give us a five-star review. If you like what we're doing, help other people find us. I would really appreciate it. Um, Most of today's show is going to be a recording that I did with some of my colleagues at the annual meeting for the National Association of College Admissions Counselors, or NACAC for short, that happened in late September uh, in Houston, where it was considerably warmer than it is here in Maine. Um, And uh, we got together and recorded our takeaways from what we had been talking about with the people that we were meeting with there at NACAC. And so the the bulk of the show is going to be devoted to that. But probably more importantly for our seniors in the room, uh, you have 10 days till November 1st. So before we share our thoughts from NACAC, my colleague, Steve Fernandez-Brennan, my longtime colleague here at College Coach, um, who also happens to be a former admissions officer at Occidental, at Marquette, at Loyola University, Chicago, and at Regis University in Colorado, is here with us today. Hi, Steve. Hey, Beth. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And I'm going to go out on a limb and, and guess that it's probably considerably warmer where you are in Hawaii than it is here in Maine as well. Uh, I'm guessing that's right. <laughs> I won't. I, it's in the 30s here. So Oof, I, I'm, yeah. does it ever get into the 30s in Hawaii? Not in Honolulu. No. Yeah. All right. Well, it is early, early morning hours for Steve. And so I'm very excited that you were able to um, join us for the show today. So really what I was hoping we could talk about is what do students need to be thinking about now? They've got 10 days before November 1, which is a big deadline for a lot of schools, not just early decision, which is a binding commitment, but also early action, which is you just get an early answer, um, and uh, any priority or really rolling schools too. So November 1 is a big date. What would be the first thing that comes to mind for you on, boy, if you're not doing this, you need to do it now. Yeah, November 1, all the, you know, Purdue's and the Wisconsin's of the world with those early action deadlines, but also University of Oregon, University of Arizona, get those applications in for those rolling schools. But don't get the application in until it's ready, but get it ready now. So there's there's, <laughs> yes. there's competing there's there's competing demands here. So um, from my admissions career, I remember so vividly that if the student didn't care about the app, it made it easier for me as an admission officer not to care about the app. Right. Mm. So I would really encourage students to make sure they're really focused on the shorter essays. Sometimes students leave those right. Those those um, brief essays, a uh, hundred words on uh, a time when you failed, a hundred words on your favorite extracurricular activity and why. Make sure that you spend some time with those and and that it doesn't look like you texted them on your phone. Um, make sure they get proofread at least two drafts of those. 
that's that's really important. And I know supplements are probably front of mind for a lot of students. Yeah, I, I can um, think back to my own career in admissions. And I love the way you position that, that if it was clear the student didn't care, then kind of why should you? Um, and I would say the, the other thing that I would see at Penn was a student who had put so much time and energy into their high school career and then for whatever reason, left the, and it was often the supplements for Penn, they left them to the last minute. And so I would be getting more and more excited about the applicant. And then I would get to those supplements, which I read last. Uh, and it would sometimes be just such a disappointment. And that's also not an emotion you would like to evoke in your admissions <laughs> officer, right? Especially exactly. if they're about to jot down their final thoughts on your application. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That, uh, ideally, it's not disappointment. It's it's, it's more joy there. Um, but I, and I think students spend so much time, you know, they probably started their main personal statement months ago. And um, maybe, even, maybe. <laughs> um, even, even if they haven't, though, that's the one they spend the most of their time on. So yes. don't sleep on the supplements. Is the, is the takeaway. Yeah, exactly. The, the writing needs to match up. And if it's very clear that you spent a ton of time on one and not much on the other, it will show. Um, so, so definitely be working on that. What about another area I would love to get your thoughts on, because it was another place where I saw students doing what I would consider dumb things or just making mistakes was the activity section. And often I think it was because they left that to the last minute. Any thoughts on, you know, how to best present what you've done outside of the classroom within the confines of the activity section on the Common App? So many thoughts, Beth. We could do a whole, <laughs> we could do a whole thing on this. So we could. Um, make sure, first of all, obviously proofread it. Um, make sure you're using the right spelling of the right words. I found last night, I didn't know there were two spellings of counselor. Um, <laughs> if you're a camp counselor, it's there's an S in there, um, not a C. So um, just just double check those kinds of things. But also in the description, you only have 150 characters, right? Mm -hmm. And make sure you use that. That doesn't need to be full sentences. I was a camp counselor at uh, a, a Camp Niagara, whatever it was. Don't put that in the description because Everything I just said is over to the left yes. in the rest of the chart, right? We know it's you. We know you were a camp counselor because you chose that. You, you've indicated that already. We know the name of the camp. So what do you do with the 150 words? You dive right in. Led, organized, managed, um, administered. Use, use action words and use some concrete outcomes or numbers. How many students were at the camp? How many how many uh, organization? How many uh, activities did you organize? Mm -hmm. Those are the kinds of things that are really going to help me as your admission officer understand what it is that you've done and what kind of impact you've had doing it. Yeah, the more you can quantify, the better. I love all of that advice, um, and I think it is very helpful whether you've already written your your activity section or you are about to sit down and work on it today. Um, well, and. And these students now are so lucky, Beth, you and I have been doing this a while. Remember when you couldn't move things around on the Common yes, App? Yes, yes. Oh, it was a, nightmare. a nightmare. You had to list them in order. But so for students now in the order, sometimes, look, don't sweat blood over this, right? Um, if you've already submitted it and you're listening, think, oh, my gosh, I submitted it wrong. No. But in the order, I encourage students to think about these in terms of buckets. So if, you're, if the biggest extracurricular activity you've had is music, list music first. If the second biggest is community service, list that next. 
athletics, if that's it, then list that together, all the athletic things together. So if I'm your admission officer, I can see clearly there's not one music and one camp counselor and one athletic activity and one part-time job and then back to music so that there's an order that I can right. see that the activities are in. That's helpful for me to get a sense of your commitments. Right. Yeah. Group like items together. I love that. And then I think the last piece of advice I would have on the activity section would be um, you want to go from most to least recent so that if that thing you only did once when you were a freshman, if it if you put it because it's your 10th item, it should come number 10. Right. I don't want that first because. It's something that you did and you no longer do. And I might miss what comes number 10. And number 10 might be a really important piece of your um, involvement. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And also, if you don't have 10, it's okay. Yeah. But if you do list 10. them all. That's it. Yeah. I, I did have a student say to me, well, and the student had eight things. And I said, well, what about these two things? And I said, well, that's, they're not really that important. I'm like, well, you did them and you have them and you should list them because you have space to. If you don't have space, then they could easily have been left off. But you you do have space. So you want to include them. But I agree. If you don't have 10 things, don't sweat over it. Just put what you have and make sure that you're capturing everything that you did outside of the classroom. That's it. A couple of final things regarding what students should need to be doing right now. Um, Test scores, any thoughts on that? Oh, gosh. Uh, (laughs) So if um, make a decision now, as in right now, as soon as you're done listening um, (laughs) to which test scores go to which colleges and get those in. because that can sometimes take a little bit longer. Most of what you click, once you click submit, it's instant. It goes right away to that college university. There'll be that date stamp on it. With the test scores, because it goes through SAT and ACT, there is an extra layer there and it might take a little bit longer. So just make sure that you have in one place, all of the colleges to which you're applying, all of the colleges to which you are sending test scores and um, get do that all at once. Yes, love it. Um, recommendation letters, if they're required, any, anything students need to think about related to those? So just make sure the students are, uh, I would encourage students to be aware of your high school deadlines. So it's a situation where um, the, the college deadline is November 1st, but the high school might have an earlier deadline. So find out what that is. Make sure that you're aware of that. So if your high school needs a week to get that transcript out, make sure that you let them know what colleges you're applying to. And for teacher recs, that's not the case for teacher recs. So for teacher recs, that's uh, most students will invite them through the application platform. So on the Common App, once you have permission from the teacher, make sure you ask them and they get a yes before they get this email. That's always uh-huh. a good idea, Beth, right? To, yes. to, to get permission ahead of time. But once you add them to the Common App, they will get sent a link to their email address that you've added and they will be able to upload their letter of recommendation right there. Awesome. Um, as we wrap up our segment, um, what else, you know, it's fine and it's all fine and good. We just told students what they need to be doing. Any thoughts on, uh, how they can get this done, uh, in the next 10 days? That's it. And it's, it's challenging, right? Because you've got homecoming, you've got all of your courses, your senior courses, you've got all of your responsibilities and everything else going on as well. So I really, really encourage students and families to, to not have this at every dinner, not have this at every conversation. Every time we get in the car, we talk about this, right? But to have set aside time. 
and budget it and hold to that schedule. So if you have two hours Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday nights, or three hours, or five a five-hour chunk on Saturday morning, whenever it fits into your schedule. But this is going to take time, and it's going to take more time than perhaps you realize. And so allocating that time and planning on that uh having that time set aside and holding yourself to that schedule will be really helpful as you move forward through these last couple of weeks. Don't add any new schools now. Right. Yes. It, <laughs> if you, the, the reason I always encourage students to have their college list set is because until you have your college list set, you don't know how much work you have to do or when you have to do it. And so if you keep adding schools or subtracting schools, that changes the schedule of your workflow and you simply are reactive all the time. So I would really encourage you, okay, these are the schools I'm definitely going for November 1. Look, there's a whole universe of deadlines and application things to be done for regular decision for other schools, but be very clear about your early schools and which ones you want to be able to get done that you think you can get done at a very, very high level. And maybe you look at your schedule and you think, you know what? Gosh, this app. Okay, Purdue's done. Wisconsin's done. I'm ready to go with those with Michigan's all set. USC has a lot of essays, a lot of writing. I'm applying to their engineering school. I'm not quite ready for them. Maybe I put a pin in that because the quality is not going to be where I want it to be. And so I apply to them a little bit later in the process. Yes. Steve, I love all of that advice. And um, I, I think it's, you know, one thing that came to mind as you were talking was, University of California schools, don't worry about those right now. Don't worry about these. Right? You have right. those till November 30th. So that, yes, the application opens on November 1. Focus on these other schools that you need to actually get it in by November 1 and worry about that. Um, and actually, UC opened earlier this year. So it's students have been in there. <clears throat> Hopefully, they've been thinking about it. But yeah, that application, you've got time on that. Exactly. That's the point. Um, yes. All such great advice. The, the only other thing that I would add to our families listening is that um, you want to make sure you're talking to your parents and that they're aware of the financial aid form deadlines like the FAFSA, um, the profile, if a college requires it. At some of these schools, if you're applying via early decision or even early action, they're going to want you to get those pieces in early as well. So you want to pay attention to that. Steve, I really appreciate you joining today and bringing your wonderful counseling sense to this conversation. Um, I always pick up new things that I'm thinking, I'm going to steal that, but I really appreciate your time this morning. It was a pleasure. Best All wishes, right. everyone. <laughs> Good luck to everybody out there. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, um, we're going to be sharing our NACAC takeaways. So don't go away. College admissions can be stressful, but Bright Horizons College Coach is here to help. Our college experts who worked in admissions and financial aid at some of the nation's most selective institutions offer ethical, customized assistance based on each student's individual strengths and interests. Students receive one-on-one -on -one guidance throughout the process, and our 100% success rate means all of our students have been accepted to college. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. When it's time to go through the college admissions process, look to Bright Horizons College Coach for ethical guidance and customized support. Our educators will get to know your students' ambitions and talents, help highlight hard-won achievements, and create a plan for getting into a top-choice school. 
That plan includes helping your student choose classes and extracurriculars, create a college list, brainstorm and edit essays, and navigate college financing options. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. As I mentioned earlier in the show, I attended NACAC this year with um, a few of my colleagues, namely Jen Simons, Kira Tyler, and DJ Meehan. Uh, and we recorded a uh, podcast from NACAC. So we're going to share our takeaways from NACAC with you uh, in this next segment. All right. This is very exciting in the life of the Getting In a College Coach Conversation podcast, because for the very first time, we are actually broadcasting directly from NACAC. What is NACAC, you may be wondering? Well, it's the National Association of College Admissions Counselors uh, that's our governing group, essentially, and we're a member of NACAC. We're a member of NACAC's podcast group, which is a very exciting recognition for us. But we're at the national conference, and so there's a big conference that happens every year that brings together uh, college admissions counselors, high school counselors, independent counselors, and all of the different organizations that function in that space. So we have a whole exhibition hall. We learn about new things, new products, uh, new companies that are out there trying to help students ultimately through this process and trying to help college find colleges find those students. Um, so this year's national conference is in Houston. Um, we are sitting in an ice box of a room right now in the conference center. Um, it is 99 degrees outside, but I would say 50 degrees in this room right now. And joining me are my colleagues, and I'm going to have each of them introduce themselves really quickly, and then we're going to get to basically some of the highlights that we have experienced here while we're at NACAC. So we're just going to go right around the room, and DJ, we'll start with you. Hi, I'm DJ Meehan. Hi, I'm Jen Simons. Hello, I'm Kira Tyler. All right, so DJ, Kira, and Jen all are my colleagues here at College Coach. And um, I'm going to start with uh, a comment and then a question. So this year's theme of NACAC is resilience. And I think we can all kind of get behind the idea that what has been going on over the last couple of years has certainly required resilience. Um, and so from that perspective, I think it's good. I would be curious to get your thoughts on, um, you know, what do you think about resilience as a theme? And maybe we will start with you, Jen. Well, in our work with students and parents, you know, getting ourselves and them through COVID and all the nuances and all the new things and the ways that life has changed and has been, you know, not so great in so many ways. Um, you know, we've counseled our families to um, understand that this is obviously something that we're all going through. I mean, that's what we read and, you know, that's what we know. The whole world experienced this in some way. But I think that I forgot, let me just make this Jen, a lot of um, 
you know, folks leaving the great resignation, you know, all that. And so they were remote and the changes such as test optional, which of course we'll talk about that. I mean, this was all a new landscape for them. So I think about our families needing to be resilient, students needing to be resilient. But here at the conference, it's really been eye-opening to talk to admissions directors and deans about the struggles that they've had over the past two years as the landscape has shifted and the things that they're doing to try to make sense, enroll their classes, recruit their classes, enroll their classes again. So the cycle is different. I wanna talk about that, Beth, if that's okay later. Um, but I think resilience was the perfect theme because that's what we all, it was like a big hug that we all needed. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yes, I do. And actually, for I agree with that. I do think there's a counterpoint. And so for that, I'd love for DJ for you to weigh in because you presented at the conference and one of the things you did talk about was resilience. And so I would love to get your take on kind of how that word maybe might not resonate for everyone. Yeah. You know, thinking about the context of college admissions, right, and, and sort of all of the complications and stressors, both for students, families, high school counselors, admissions folks. I, I mean, I think NACAC identified this theme, right? Because we're all in this quagmire, right? In, with this process and, and with this system that we've created. Um, and so while, while I love like having some space for us to sort of celebrate the ways we've made it, right? We have, we're all here, right? And we're looking forward. Um, yeah, I, I like to challenge the idea, idea of resilience a little bit, right? And, 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 and hope, and I think the conversations that we're having, right, are about sort of thinking, yes, we have been resilient, but how can we problem solve, like thinking forward? How can we make this system more streamlined? How can we make this easier for our students? How can we make this easier and less stressful for our families? How can we, you know, as, as a profession, right, um, look forward in a way to, that, that we can be here in five years, right, at NACAC, and not be celebrating our resilience, but celebrating the ways that we, that we have, you know, <laughs> a created space for this. This process shouldn't be what it is, mm -hmm. yeah. right? And I think, and that, that is hard, and it is stressful work, but it's also really meaningful. And so the other thing I get out of being here, right, as hard as it's been, for folks in the profession, how hard has it been to be a high school counselor or an admissions, like direct, I mean, it's, it's been really, really, and because we're all people, right? And we're also living our personal lives. And so it's, you know, it's, it's this integration of the, the larger and, and, and the professional. Um, you know, people really love the work and pe people really want to make this better, you know? And that's what I love about coming to this conference and connecting with my, with my colleagues because um, I do think, in spite of the quagmire in part that we are responsible for, <laughs> right, because we are, we've, we've created this in some ways, right, I think we, we recognize that it shouldn't be this way, right, and I do think there's a commitment from a lot of us to think about how, right, we, we, we can make this um, a system that makes sense for everybody, right, and, and that, you know, and that is what it is, like, like a wonderful opportunity talking about an education versus, you know, talking about admissions and selectivity and all this other stuff that... Right? It's kind of gross <laughs> and stressful. I, well, as you were talking, I was thinking, wouldn't it be great if in five years we were celebrating it's the last episode of the podcast because this process <laughs> has become so streamlined yes. that people just don't need this level of assistance. I, I think about that all the time. If, if I had a magic wand 
and I could like change something in the world, I would make my job obsolete. Yeah. Oh, I don't. I don't like that. I think that's <laughs> terrible. Um, I so I think that so much of what we do, and and I did this when I was an admissions director and an admissions counselor and everything, is also. Again, I, I was the one that said, you know, this is a big hug. So obviously, this is where I'm coming from. But I think there's also a moment where we're here to strengthen are the students and the families to give them courage um, in this process. And I don't mean courage, you know, because you're applying to a reach school or anything, but, you know, this is a moment where students and families have to assess what their needs and desires and their realities are, whether it's financial or academic or whatever. And this is a moment for students to really say, who am I? You know, when, when I was at Tufts, we had an essay question, you know, there's a Quaker saying, let your life speak, who are you? And I love that question so much because kids don't need to, students, they're not kids, I guess, anymore, but students don't have to ask themselves that until they begin the college process. So yes, I hope it becomes streamlined. I hope it becomes more manageable, but I hope that we never lose the opportunity to bolster and strengthen our families, which is what I think we do in our work every day. I love that. That's a great note to end on. I think for me, the biggest takeaway is just that, you know, these words we throw around can mean different things to different people, and we should just be mindful of sure. that piece, and I like that. Um, one of the things, Kira, that we're seeing is kind of a bit of a mismatch between, I think, how colleges want to move forward and how students and parents and families want to move forward. And, um, you know, one of the things that came up in a session we were in was we had a college admissions panelist and a high school counselor panelist and the high school counsel the college person said, we are getting our people off the road and we're going to Zoom. It's so much easier. It's such a great way to meet people. And then the high school counselor said, my kids can't deal with Zoom anymore. They don't want to do that. And I'm curious about if you have thoughts about that in general and just maybe in ways that we might try and bring these two closer together. Yeah, so, um, I mean, I feel that a lot, right, of just being overwhelmed by technology and uh, really yearning for face-to-face uh, -face human connection. And I think as part of our this process, um, and it's some of the discord that was just talked about in the last question, it's like... Um, you know, kids wanting to like figure out and say who they are, and that removes that a little bit. It creates some distance. And so, um, you know, what I would say is that a reminder to families, um, like many sectors in our country, um, admission officers are woefully understaffed. Um, it doesn't mean that they're not committed to doing great work and that they're not excited about offering wonderful experience experiences for their visitors, but it does mean that it can be much more challenging to get a tour. It can be much more challenging to get an info session. It can be, uh, you know, you might believe that you're being ghosted because you sent an email and nobody wrote back, but the truth is that, listen, you have to meet people where they are, and so if you're unable to get a tour, go see if you can instead get a self-guided tour. It's okay. Like, you're going to have a great experience. Um, <clears throat> you know, go ahead and do some online programming. I think it's worth it. It's absolutely better than nothing. It's Schedule a visit at a different time. If somebody travels to where you are, um, you know, regionally, um, see if you can make it and thank them when they're there. You know, I think people are 
uh, really wanting to be acknowledged for the work that they're doing and um, it's just the polite thing to do. So I think those are a couple of concrete suggestions, um, but really it's we have to remember to meet people where they are. Uh, admission officers are trying to do their very best and I know families are as well and I think there's a really nice happy medium in there if we can all be patient with each other. Awesome. And I'm curious if either of you have a thought about what colleges might be able to do, because I think Kira had great suggestions for how families can, but I would love for colleges who probably aren't listening to this, but maybe, maybe, you never know. What Any thoughts that you have on, on that? Like, how, how might they meet families where they are? Um, That's a good question. Um, we just, uh, DJ and I just went to a session where they were talking, college, three college, a, a small liberal arts college, uh, a private university, and a public flagship. We're all talking about staffing challenges, and the private university said that in order to keep their staff, they had to move their visit days to twice a week, mm-hmm. Monday and Friday, and so that those are the days you could visit. Everyone on the staff has to come in on Wednesdays, and then you sort of have some combination of you know working remotely and everything um so i don't know on the visit end if it's going to be possible you know for colleges to make accommodations but i think in other ways um and again i think that my comments are maybe now directed to the more selective schools but finding ways to truly curb applications. I don't know that this is going to be possible, particularly in a test optional environment, which, you know, I I am personally in favor of for many places. Um, But to stop uh, recruiting, I think unnecessarily, I am really eager to do a podcast with you, Beth, and this is going to be a whole other conversation about mail, about snail mail Mm -hmm. and students that get put on mailing lists because they've, you know, in some way not signed up to be on a mailing list, but in this case, have taken some sort of like the PSAT or something like that, and they've been purchased. Mm-hmm. They've, that sounds terrible, it does, but <laughs> I did not mean their that. names have their been, names yeah. have been purchased. That's what I thought. I'm so sorry. Thank you. <laughs> but I just, you know, so um, I think that DJ started to say this. I think that we need. This isn't a moment to think really big about how can we do this whole thing differently, and maybe. I don't know. I, I don't have the answer to that. But this is like a watershed. Like, okay, let's really, let's throw out all the ideas that we have. And well, and they have to, like, because even so in this conversation, right, about staffing challenges, right, in order to attra- to keep the talent that they have, they're, they're, I mean, compensation is a big issue, right? So their budgets, right, are having to shift dramatically to be able to keep or attract talent. Um, and so... Obviously, they're, they're reevaluating their travel patterns, right? And the money that they invested in traveling now that we have access to this virtual world. I mean, the reason, you know, Rice and everybody loves this is because they're also trying to meet their bottom line. And they're, you know, it's expensive to send, you know, a staff out on the road all over the world all the time to meet kids, you know, where they're at. Um, and so, I mean, they have to. They're adjusting, right, in this environment. And that is forcing them to kind of, yeah change things and and I think we have to you know families have to understand and 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 be that 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 is a reality too okay well no I was just thinking and I don't mean to be facetious I don't think this is facetious actually I love a bad idea everybody who knows me knows that I love a bad idea but um having been the product of a d1 institution in the big 10 that will go unnamed um they can look it up you know they can look it up you're right you're right you're right 
Um, but, you know, I think about the very large budgets for um, athletics mm-hmm. and all of these, like, beautiful locker rooms for specific sports, and they have nine uniforms, and they have, you know, it's like, could we shift some of that over to the people that are helping to get some of those kids there, not only the athletes, but let's be clear, probably about 50% of the students who want a rah-rah kind of atmosphere that that, you know, 12 weeks out of a year um, offers them. So that also could be an interesting, you know, for my my peeps uh, in development where I used to work, um, you know, maybe you could start talking to people about, hey, what if we funded, um, you know, gift uh, of travel um, or of extended resources for our admissions officers or up to their compensation, right? Because these are the people that are on the ground really trying to attract wonderful talent. Um, And so if you're giving it to people um, for their talent around recruitment for a a sport, why not for all the other things that make uh, a a university tick? I'd actually, totally different direction, but what DJ said um, made me think about this. I want to eliminate the idea of a perfect match of that sort of magical on-campus moment that this is the place for you and if you don't have that feeling then it's not going to be right i as my colleagues know i am a little bit obsessed with the netflix series indian matchmaker and i think it is okay well you know (laughs) so I, it's so interesting. And I think about my beloved international students when I recruited abroad, and I didn't certainly have a chance to meet everyone all over the world, but when a student from New Zealand enrolled, they enrolled blindly, and they came to campus, and they made it work. And they sort of took what they had, and they weren't, you know what I mean? And it wasn't like a romance until years after they got there. It was like, this is a practical, you know, decision, and I am going to make the most of it. And, you know, hopefully they would love it, and most of the time they did. So I think we have to, and this hurts me a little bit, because again, I, you talk about changing your own job, but I want to sort of de-romanticize this idea of this is your match. And instead, mm-hmm. like, this is, you know, these are options to help you get to the next step in your life. One thing that this, um, as you guys were talking specifically too about um, the admissions offices, I mean, this is a crisis that has been brewing since the beginning of this work. We all did admissions. We don't do admissions anymore. So why is that? I loved my job at Penn, loved it. I loved meeting students. I loved reading their files. I loved chairing selection committee. I enjoyed every element of that job and I left after four years. And I left after four years because I had a young child. It was not a supported thing really in the office. And the lifestyle and the compensation were not designed for us to stay. So we leave. And so do we consider this a, a great profession with lots of opportunities? Absolutely. Do, do, have they made it one that is attractive for people to stick around with for a while? No. I mean, the turnover is typically what? Like three years. And everyone's been happy with that up until now when all of a sudden everybody decided to leave. So 
Uh, it's not an I told you so, but it is a more, I do feel like this is a watershed moment and this is an opportunity for the colleges to think about all of these things that you guys have said. And I do believe what you're saying is true. Like this idea, and you, you have it when you have a student who's like, I just haven't found my dream. I'm like, that's because it doesn't exist. You need to let go. Right. Yes, there are a bunch of schools who could be your best fits. I feel that way about like the concept of a soulmate. Like, oh, what if your soulmate's born in China and you live in Massachusetts? Oh, well, I guess you're done. There goes that opportunity in your life. Or perhaps... Your person is where you find them, and you could be with more than one person in this world. I gotta check out that Indian matchmaker show, though, apparently. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Um, I wanted to talk about two things, and then I think we can wrap it up with final thoughts from you guys. But let's, let's tackle the, the biggest elephant in the room, in my opinion, and that is test optional. Uh, have we learned anything new? Do we feel any differently about it? And DJ, if you're all right with it, I'm going to start with you. Uh, I mean, Are you want me to? I hear it here. Is it okay if I? Yeah, go for it. We can okay. edit. Go for it. Oh, I mean, I don't. I haven't learned anything new. Okay. You have? Okay. I mean, I mean, I. I think I that's mean, actually fair to say. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, which is to say, I, I don't see anything changing you know I, I don't feel like this is a conversation like people are I mean again I know that everyone's reevaluating data right we're, we're approaching year three which for institutional research offices I know and for the faculty on a lot of campuses is going to be a big year um, of reevaluation I did have a conversation um, with someone who yeah at a campus that might remain unnamed um, yeah, I can't name them. Um, who did who did reveal to me that you know that faculty has been pushing back um, but you know he feels confident that they're going to move forward. With, but but the, it's on campuses. Um, I think admissions offices are, are are dealing with a lot of faculty pushback, um, and so that's I think right now where the battle is at um, internally. And I feel like people aren't really you know like folks are kind of keeping it close to their chest. But I you know because even even within their own staff, right? I know you know there's going to be, but but I, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, yeah, if we do see any 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 shifts, right? Because it is going to be in year three, I think, where 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 the data is palpable enough, right? That institutions are going to start start to to kind of commit, right, to to a policy. Yeah, I I heard um, in a session one of the directors say that it was like a game of chicken, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like it's like who's going back to test optional, who's not. Mm -hmm. But I, DJ, what you said about the professors, I think is so interesting. I wonder if they object to, like, do they feel a change in the students? Is that what the issue is? Or they just feel it's not prestigious? Like if MIT is going back to having testing, should they go? I mean, what is it? I don't know. That's interesting. I mean, my sense is that they 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 think that there's a difference in quality of student. And I think instead what we're seeing is, um, you know, COVID, mm. right? And children being not super prioritized. Um, and we didn't think carefully enough about their educational experiences, but we also didn't think carefully enough about their emotional and mental um, experiences either. And so I kind of think that's like, it's all the perfect storm that some of, I won't say learning loss, <sighs> um, but some of some of that COVID uh, educational experience is what happened is now showing up, and they believe that by going back to testing, that will sort of solve it. We will be our gates will come back. It's a crutch, 
And so that's my sense is they're like, but we have a data point that will help us figure out if people are, quote, ready. And we have all done this work long enough to know that you could have a student who scores beautifully on a, on a test and is really struggling or very underprepared in other ways. So to me, it feels like a crutch and a desire to go back to what's familiar. I will try to not take this down a dark path of other things that are like a crutch and going back to what's familiar, but it's like a, a way to sort of look back instead of looking forward. And I think one thing that has resonated with me is that if the faculty are feeling this way, this is not how admissions offices are feeling. That is the key, and I think, I think if anything we could take away from this for families, it's that um, what we're hearing from admissions is, is they very much do practice test optional. If you're not providing scores, they don't care. They're not looking on your application as less than. Um, the four of us can sit here and say it to a blue in the face. I know not everyone believes it, but I believe that to be true. And to a person, every person we have talked to has second in that. So all of the people still doing admissions. Yes, they, they do. They love it because... There is nothing worse than having an uninteresting application. Well, that actually doesn't really happen. There's nothing worse than having a really great applicant who has a lot to offer, but the scores are just not in range, and so that makes it difficult. But, um, and this eliminates that, and that's a beautiful thing. Um, and for those kids who have the sky-high testing but everything else is sort of meh, well, those students were never gonna be competitive anyway, depending on the schools we're talking about here, and really, Right now, we're talking about that very small group of schools out there who are turning away more students than they're admitting. And I don't want to focus too exclusively on that. Um, the only thing I guess we can all say is that what DJ said, I haven't learned anything new. There's really nothing new. What, the testing piece. Yeah, what, what we believe to be true, we are finding to be true, and yes. nobody knows yes. where yes. it's going Correct. right now. Yeah. All right, last thing, um, we have talked a few times about understaffed admissions offices, and so I would love um, to hear your thoughts. And Kira, you had some great things earlier when we were talking about this around how do you, how, advice as students prepare to apply, um, how can they be, you know, sort of cognizant of the idea that these offices are understaffed, and what are things as they're applying that they should be thoughtful about to get uh, the best possible read from the f few people who are doing the reading in some of these schools. Sure. So um, it, it's very simple. Please follow the directions on the application. So every site, you can look at what the admission page says, and then if they're on a common application, the common application, you can look at uh, what's required. Do what's required. Please do not do more than what's required. I think people do not, not I think, they don't have the bandwidth to be able to give it attention, and it will actually like take away from what you have to offer. I think it will have the opposite effect that you think it will. And so not only is it just work you don't need to do, because we'd love for you to focus instead on coming up with your version of your best application, um, it just, actually, it's like inconsiderate. So don't do it. Um, the other side of this is that if you have a question, and uh, I know it gets very tricky because we have some schools that love to be loved um, through demonstrating interest and so the push and pull is always there of like well they want to hear from me and it's like 
hard to say that they don't, but the, the other side of this is that they may want to hear from you, but they don't have the bandwidth to respond, maybe to just a general email. So if you have a genuine question, you should ask it. But if your genuine question is, how good is the pol political science department? That's not a genuine question. That's a question just to be asked. And so, you know, if there's a real question that offers, um, can offer up a meaty response that you are genuinely curious about, you can ask it. But if it's just to like show interest and write the email, I would leave it alone right now. So, may I may I just make a point of clarification because when we say and, and again this has been a theme for the conference um, that admissions offices are understaffed, I want to assure our families because we were assured by deans and directors that um, this is not going to impact the way right. they read the applications or the jobs that they do, giving information sessions or tours or you know usually it's tour guides, but um, it's you are still going to get the same level of service and it's certainly not going to impact the experience that you have when you enroll at that college or university. The problem is, is it's just causing burnout amongst our, you know, colleagues on the other side of the desk. And so I just, I just want to make that a point. So nobody thinks that your application will be given less time because there are fewer people. It will be given the same amount of time. Um, they might hire more people um, and they might have to spend more time training those people but it's, it, you're not you know maybe someone as Kira said won't respond to you immediately or or ever maybe but there it's because they're devoting the time to what matters which is paying attention to where your application is in the process yeah and I would just say that um, that is the key it's very difficult to imagine how could they possibly get to know me in this file of papers, now an electronic file, but they've been doing it and it, it works. It does not without its challenges. It's not a perfect system, but if you give them what they're asking for and really try not to give them anything other than that, that that's where the process works best. And I will just shout out because I heard this rumor from a parent recently of this, this thing that keeps cropping up, like don't ever leave any space Empty is a total and complete <laughs> we? Groans, uh, groans throughout the room. This is terrible advice. Less is more. Less is more. And I shared the story that I have shared frequently, which is that when I was reading files at Penn, they were paper files. They were about a half an inch thick. And um, I had to get through 30 in a day. And if it was you know, 5.30, I had to go pick my son up at his childcare, and um, I was trying to get one more file read before the end of the day so that I didn't have to read 10 files after he went to bed at 10 o'clock at night. And I pulled your file off the top of the stack, and it was an inch thick. Let me tell you, my reaction was not, oh my God, I'm so excited <laughs> to see what's in this file that is twice the size. So just let that be a, a story. Okay, I did want to put the mic around the room and just final thoughts from the conference and things that you were, something you're taking away, something you'd love families to take away, really anything. Sure. Kira, we'll start with you. 
I'll start. Thank you, Beth. Um, well, thank you, Tanakak. We I, I've had a really great time, and everyone I've met has been really lovely and engaging, and um, I've really enjoyed the panelists. So um, our profession is strong. Um, we're going through it, but strong. Um, I'm going to be really brief. I wanted to share a little bit with families about some of the things that um, we had been learning about. One, we opened the program with a keynote by Billy Porter. Um, if you don't know him, I don't know where you've been, but look him up. He was pretty buy incredible. His buy his book to go on to the bestseller. That's right, buy his so book. He was really wonderful, and I loved his message around authenticity. And um, he talked a lot about the arts as both a trade and a profession. So, I, you know, I, I have a quote useless degree in flute performance. That's what people tell me. I've never thought that. Um, but the way he spoke about it, I thought was really compelling. Um, and he talked um, also about the role of college counselors in his life as helping him discover that, oh my gosh, yeah, you shouldn't move to New York City at 18 and get uh, an agent and, you know, just try. Like, that's going to be there, but you should go to Carnegie Mellon. And he said, that school, 12 minutes down the street. Um, and I just thought, like, wow, that's, you know, so illustrative of the power of great counseling. So um, he said other great things, but that was really wonderful. Um, our own DJ did a great session on decolonizing the admissions process. I learned a lot. The one thing I'm going to remind our listeners of is that... Um, you know, she lives in Puerto Rico. They are a U.S. territory. Her colleagues were also talking about doing their work in other U.S. territories, like the Mariana Islands and Hawaii, and uh, well, that's a state. Um, but, you know, one thing that I was like, oh my gosh, I've been doing that is using this word mainland. We should not be saying that um, when we really mean like the continental United States, the continuous 48, right? So um, I want everybody to be thinking about that. Um, and then I also this morning attended a session on the Supreme court cases between UNC and Harvard about affirmative action. Um, oral dis argument day is on Halloween, <laughs> which is a little interesting. Um, but if people are interested in reading up on it, there's a lot there, and uh, I will be following it really closely. Thanks. I know that we have 25,000 members in this organization and there are about I think over 6,000 people at this conference sort of half you know admissions officers half counselors from schools that you know I have heard of thank goodness because of my role at Bright Horizons College Coach and running lists for students but there are so many, I know I sound like a broken record, amazing places mm -hmm. out there and with interesting programs and fabulous people. So please just explore, take the time to really get to know other schools, you know, the schools that you might not have heard of, let's say, and um, what they have to offer. I mean, there's lots of takeaways. What's helpful? I'm sorry, I'm stuck a little bit. Sorry, I'm stuck. Let me think on it. No, I mean, what do we want families to know? What's important? Um, and I think I, I, I said this in my earlier statement. I, what I love about this profession, right, is the commitment that people have um, to students, right, and families and their ultimate experience. So for me, what's always, you know, my biggest takeaway when I, when I come to these conferences, right, is, is that I feel like I'm among family, right, that we are all sort of committed to the same work, with the same intention, with the same like heart, you know, and corazón. Um, and so that's, you know, that's something I, I always sort of wanted, you know, the students that I work with to understand, um, that we care, 
about the thought and you know and the love that they've put into their applications right and we we want to honor that right and so even in the conversations about sort of the difficult circumstances that we're in and as a profession what was underlying all of that right is a commitment to do the work well and to like honor our students right and and the and, and the love that they've put in into the process right like we really do want to do our best absolutely um, yeah i was just going to say i'm sorry really quickly that um you know, what I try to remind my students of is like, we're not just talking about, yes, like this process is about getting into college and having options, but my hope is also that they will experience some growth mm -hmm. through this process too. And so I think to DJ's point, which if you could see us out, you could see us vigorously nodding our heads, is that we hope that, that people grow from working with, doesn't have to be us, but mm -hmm. their school counselor, whoever it may be, their parents that are supporting them, that this serves as a growth opportunity to look for students to mature a little bit to learn a little bit more about who they are to be thinking about like what exciting opportunities may exist for them um, you know the art of, of selecting a college ultimately is about possibility and so to get to be a part of that I see as like a huge um, it's a real honor so um, yeah I think that spirit is very much alive here all right, well, I think those are all awesome takeaways and I'm uh, uh, happy that we're not frozen into icebox in this room. <laughs> but I could see Jen shivering and um, I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little cold myself, but it does warm my heart and almost my toes to talk about this because I do think you're right and I, I think that if, if, if our families who are listening and we know we have counselors who listen, um, if the only takeaway for all of you is that we, you know, this is a place where it, there are people involved. So people are applying and people are making the decisions. And it is a very, it feels inhuman at times, but it's actually a very human process. And yeah, and that is, yeah, that's exactly right. All right. Um, well, thank you all for listening to our musings on our time here at NACAC and uh, stay tuned for more of the podcast. Thanks to all of my guests today. Appreciate you listening. Um, also, next week, I'm back again. We're going to be talking about the supplements for Ithaca and Notre Dame, and also next steps from a financial perspective for National Merit semifinalists. Um, also, don't forget, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. The more we get, the easier it is for others to find us. Uh, and if you have questions, you can always send them to us at Facebook, Instagram, or at our email address, gettingin.voiceamerica.gmail.com. And we're here every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern and 1 p.m. Pacific. Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and the team of experts at Bright Horizons College Coach. Join us again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.